Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. So, well, you know, when I travel the country, I'm always on the lookout for barn quilts. Um, they're you know, it's sort of iconic now. You find them everywhere. And when I was out, uh, I think I found this on Instagram and I saw some barn quilts and they were fresh and sort of a new concept. And it turns out Christy Coop has a company called Put a Quilt on It, which is the best name ever. And, uh, I had to find out how she does all this. So Christy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be talking with you. You know, this is such a fun thing to have uh, a little bit more fresh, um, you know, more like a little bit more modern looking barn quilts or contemporary barn quilts. Uh, but I, are you, are you a quilt maker like from, or do you just do these? Yes, I am a quilt maker. I first started sewing a little bit when I was about junior high. My friends and I, we made scrunchies back then. Oh. And uh, so our very, my very first quilt, we used the scraps from those scrunchies. And, you know, there were knits and cottons, and we just put it all together and made uh, my first quilt back then. So when did you first um, see a barn quilt? What part of the world do you live in? I am outside of Sacramento. I live in a, a small suburb. And... um I think the first time I ever heard about barn quilts was probably on Pinterest. Mm. So um, that was the first time I, you know, saw them online. And then actually in person, we were on vacation on the Oregon coast a few years. And around Tillamook, Oregon, we drove around and actually got to see a few. So Mm. that was um, the first time I saw them somewhere else. And then just in the last couple of years, my family and I, we moved to a more rural community outside Sacramento, and we actually live on a barn quilt trail now. So I see about three or four every day just driving around my house. That's just like heaven for a quilter. It <laughs> is. Yeah, that's how we knew. We need to live here. Yeah. Oh, that was the that was the sign. Give us a sign. There's a barn quilt. Okay, yep. bye. <laughs> So what made you think about starting this business to have these, you know, to to make and sell barn quilts? I mean, have you always wanted your own business? Huh, that's interesting. You know, I um I graduated college, started working, and then uh, you know, was really grinding it out for a long time, and then when I had my son about 5 years ago, we made the decision that I was going to stay at home with him. And then, you know, after getting a taste of being at home full time, that was when I realized, you know, I want to be my own boss. I want to do um, things sort of on my own. So mm-hmm. I think that was always in the back of my mind. And then actually, so it was about last Christmas time, I was driving around, you know, in our rural area on the barn quilt trail, and I was looking at the barn quilts, and I was thinking about Christmas. And then all of a sudden, this light bulb went off, and I thought about um, this company that my aunt and uncle started about 10 years ago, almost 10 mm-hmm. years ago, and it's outdoor nativity store. So when I came home, I saw these outdoor nativities that they had made, and I was just thinking about barn quilts, and I thought, we could put these two things together. We can mm-hmm. make 
you know, these barn quilts that we can put outside, you know, they're going to be outside through wind and rain and snow and whatever, you know, nature can throw at them and um, do sort of a similar idea to what they were doing and the way that they were making these outdoor nativities. You know, that is just the coolest thing. When you told me about that, I just thought, wow, you saw something that your family some you know, was already doing and and thought up a new idea for it. Now, tell me about this material because I have one and I wrote about it and, and I just love them and I've given them as gifts. and uh, But they're very lightweight and they're different. They're not heavy wood that's that you're painting. It's a totally different process. It is. And, you know, a few years ago, before we had this idea, I had my husband paint some barn blocks on mm-hmm. wood for me because I just, you know, I couldn't do it. I don't have the the steady hand and the patience to do that. So I know it's mm-hmm. really hard work, you know, to come up with ideas and paint them on wood. So what we use is um, PVC sheets. So they're white and, you know, they're they're plastic, but they're not this flimsy flexible plastic. They're very sturdy. They're 10 they millimeters are. thick. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, they're very lightweight too. So right, um, and they are they're very just, good. They're very firm. You know, like I was really surprised because you just don't know till you see something. But I guess you think about it, the outdoor nativity scenes that people put in their yard, the white ones that are sort of very nice and simple. Um, you know, they're not, they don't blow over in the middle of a snowstorm. Uh, well, mm-hmm. maybe they do, but, you know, a big snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so this, I mean, that's one thing that we like about the blocks. And, I mean, if you want it to be permanent, if you want it to be sturdy, if you know, if you live in a climate that has extreme winds or snow, you know, you all you have to do is just drill a hole in the corner and, you know, attach it to the side of your your building and you know it's not going anywhere yeah so what are the best ways to hang these because people hang them outside and at your website put a quilt on it you show all different ways people and we'll talk a few minutes about that but how do you actually physically hang them because you don't send them with any holes in them we don't and you know we purposely don't put holes in them because we found that a lot of people actually like to put them inside so it's super easy. If you want to put them inside, you can just use two medium-sized command strips. So, any, you know, the way you would hang any sort of pictures at home, you just stick them on the back. And because it's that PVC and it's lightweight and it's perfectly smooth, the command strips, they just stick right on there. And then you can just put them straight on your wall just like that. So that's the easiest way. I also I have a frame that I've purchased so I can um, – put that if I wanted to have a little bit different look or you can just lean it up against a photo ledge or you know I have one that's leaning on a our buffet in the kitchen so that's um indoors is very simple and then outdoors too it's it's kind of like the command strips but you can get industrial strength velcro and the mm-hmm. same idea you just stick it on the back and then put the other side on whatever it is you're or wherever you want to hang your block, and it just sticks with Velcro, actually. That's amazing. I mean, the command strips are pretty sturdy. That's what my museum exhibit we're hanging the things with. So they're pretty – these are very lightweight, so it doesn't um, – you know, they doesn't take much. Uh, right. You have You have an interesting background. 
Um, like you're, you know, you as you're like a curious person. You were telling me how you have a degree in chemistry, and you know, you've always sort of challenged yourself. What did you, what did you find when you started doing this? Did you find like a challenge that you were like, okay, we got to overcome this? Did you get like that analytical part of yourself going? I did, and you know, and it's a new challenge every step along the way. So. You know, if we're designing the blocks and trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to get these set up to, you know, to fit on there and how are we going to create the files to cut them to make them just right or, you know, how are we going to get the boxes the right way and, um, you know, and then getting the pictures just right and getting the website going and, and everything. So there's a lot to learn. Um, you know, I've enjoyed it a lot and had a lot of support from a lot of people to, uh, get where we've gotten right now, but it, uh, it's always interesting. There's always something new to learn. You know, when you moved, you you moved out to the country and you write about that, like on your website, um, did you think that it would involve so many changes to, you know, like including starting a business? Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. I don't, you know, that was, it was, uh, it was pretty scary. Uh, my husband and I, we both grew up in the town where we lived and our, our parents are both here. And so we were very comfortable and, uh, you know, and we were just very happy. And then we just, I don't know, it was just a, a leap and we didn't know if we were doing the right thing or not. And, um, we just, you know, we didn't move that far away. We're, we're still close mm-hmm. to our parents and everything, but, um, and you know, people think that we're crazy when they when they see our land and they come down our road. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little, uh, it's a little bit bumpy. That's what we. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. it's a bumpy road you go down, but once you get there, it's it's, it's worth it. Yeah. So you uh, you're out in the country now, running your business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so what, you know, you have a brand new style, so you don't, you know, you have new things that are always coming out. What is the newest? I'm so excited. Yes, just today we just made them active. We have Christmas blocks. So, uh, yeah, when we, when we came up with this idea, we thought that, um, you know, and I've been waiting for Christmas this whole time (laughs) that. One thing that's so neat about our blocks is that, you know, you do the Velcro or the command strip and you can change them throughout the year or every season or whenever you want to change your decor. So we have, I think, five new Christmas blocks that are now on the website. Yeah, they are darling. How big are the blocks? They are about 24 inches square. Mm-hmm. So you have pictures. We have about a minute, Christy. You have you have pictures of people with them on the sides of buildings. I have mine on my fence, on the front door. Where do you put them inside, or where have you seen them inside? Inside, I have one, the one that we call Playroom, is actually in our room that is our playroom where all the kids' toys are, and that's where I sew as well. And then, um, you know, I think they look great in kids' rooms. And then I have one in my kitchen, so I have, you know, my fall pumpkins are out, and then I have our new maple syrup, uh, maple leaf design also in our kitchen right now. Ah, perfect, perfect, perfect. So everybody should visit, put a quilt on it, and check out the barn quilts, which are fabulous. And do you have a newsletter they can sign up for? 
If you go to our website, a window should pop up for you to um, join our newsletter. Okay. Well, Christy, thank you so much for sharing about these. I love them. Thank you, Pat, for having me. It's been fun. This is American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. We'll be back right after the break. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Join the One Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one-block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest. To find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more, visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and we are going to talk about scrappy type of quilts and block of the months and marrying those two things together and maybe sprinkling in a few words on top of it all. And if you don't know who I'm talking about yet, you will after this. Sherry Noel is here, and we're going to just talk about her. Un- I think it's a unique style. It's a very her style. When you see her work, you're going to go, yep, that's Sherry's. So thank you for being here, Sherry. Thank you for having me, Pat, and thanks for the nice intro. <laughs> <laughs> I love your quilts. They are just uh I mean, and and they're not just one style. I think that's what's so interesting about your work. Um, they, you know, what what do you what, how do you describe your work? You yourself. Well, it is kind of funny. I mean, I I tend to think of it as you know scrappy. I like to use a lot of modern fabrics, but I do tend to sort of gravitate to a few different styles. Um, I obviously do have a lot of block of the month quilts, but I like Scandinavian, you know, themed quilts. I like some Southwestern style quilts. So I'm kind of all over the place, but I I kind of bring it together, I think, with my my color, I guess. Mm -hmm. And also you applique and like, like me, anybody that appliques, your hand is on your artwork. And mm-hmm. so it's very distinctive. You know, people are always able to go like open a magazine and go, yep, there's, that's hers. Now tell me about the name of your company because your company name is another person's name. It's not you. 
Yeah, I know, and it, it is a little confusing at times. <laughs> but um, Rebecca May is actually the two middle names of my daughters. Uh-huh. And when I, you know, named it, it was actually way back, and I was, um, I started, you know, I've always been a quilter, but I was doing some craft fairs and um, making a lot of wool mittens from sweaters, which was actually my first pattern. Mm-hmm. And I just came up with it. I just needed a name, you know, and and then it just kind of, you know, stuck. And yeah, and I just kept it, and that's that's that's, that's where how it came it got from. There. Yeah. Well, you, I do, you do have your name in your logo more prominent, so that you know, yes. that is that is nice. Yes. So let's, but talk, a lot of let's people, talk, yeah. Go ahead. Let's then Let's talk about your block of the month. Like, how did you? You know, did did that? Did you decide this is what I'm going to have as my business, or did you just start doing something and it evolved? Um, I really just started doing something. I, um, you know, kind of a light bulb went off and I thought, well, why am I not doing quilts? And I started my Scrap Happy Sampler um, in, I think it was 2013. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of took off. And I had so much fun with it on my blog and, um, you know, seeing what other people were doing and it kind of became, you know, a little community, I guess. And, um, it evolved from there. So I just continued that every year I do a new one. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed doing that. So for yours, people purchase this and then they know in advance, like how much fabric and things like that. Um, sometimes yes. And sometimes I've done it just working from stash. So it sort okay. of depends on the, the program. Mm-hmm. Now tell me a bit about the um, the Dear Daughter, because I think that's the one that really, at least for me personally, I like to look at that mm-hmm. thought, this, this is the coolest thing. I love the whole concept of it with the words and the sayings. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that was, my block of the month for last year and how it worked is um, I designed it as chapters so each month a new chapter came out and a chapter is like some you know a little saying Mm -hmm. um, but it's surrounded by blocks so Mm -hmm. it's almost a mini quilt Mm -hmm. Um, and so every month a chapter would come out and we'd sort of add on to it each month and work our way around the quilt. And there's um, a lot of applique. Some of it is fusible. Some of it is needle turn. But you can kind of use whatever style you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, there are 43 blocks included, and a lot of shops are running it this year. And I'm I'm actually kind of excited because, I've just worked out something with a laser cut company to mm. kit all the letters for those people who are maybe a little more intimidated by it. It's not really as difficult. It's not difficult at all, actually. It's just a little time consuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Some but, of them are narrow. You know, they're a narrow font yeah, that you, you yeah. through with. And if people aren't mm-hmm. used to that, yeah, the yeah. laser cut is nice. Yeah. 
Like I love the, the pattern. The, the pattern also includes like a techniques booklet that kind of walks you through all of that stuff. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very visual. So there's a lot of, um, you know, graphics and to follow. So mm-hmm. it's doable. Yeah. <laughs> it's doable. And, and everybody can see the quilt at your site. I mean, I just, I just love it. I don't have children myself, but I have lots of nieces and nephews. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just the concept of the, the, the sayings, you know, grow one wild and precious life, choose happiness, mm-hmm. you know, all of that is just, it just is really sentimental and I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. So Thank it's very you. scrappy. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk to you about uh, scrap quilts. You know, how do you approach, like give me a couple of tips about how to pull your fabric together in order to build a scrap quilt that looks good because you know how that is. You know, if you're not careful, it can Mm -hmm. be all over the place. Yeah. I, I love um, choosing fabric and I know a lot of people are very intimidated by it. Um, But I would say like, first you really want to set yourself up for success. You want to like go through your stash. I have mine organized by color So I know what I have, and it's right there in front of me, and I can find what I need pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of people say this, but a design board or a design wall is really great for auditioning colors. So when I was working on this quilt, of course, I was a little ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, finish one chapter, and then I'd kind of just put some – I'd cut a few things, put them on the wall, and I just let them, you know, be there for a few days. Um, and maybe I'd switch something or maybe not. But once you kind of know what your quilt is about and you, um, you know, you have an idea who it's for or a color scheme, maybe it's for a holiday, I would say you can, you know, if you're intimidated, maybe start with a bundle and supplement it with some stash. Or I go shopping in my stash. And <laughs> i it's not as big as you would think. its mm-hmm. But, you know, you can make a lot with it. It goes a yeah. long way. Um, so, and I tend to, you know, I pick a small, medium, and a large print. I like geometric shapes. I like... Um, you know, some organic or floral prints and mm-hmm. so you're getting a lot of texture. polka dots. Yeah, you're not just yeah. doing tonals or solids. Do you use solids right. at all in your work? I have. Um, I've got a couple that are, well, I have one that's all solids, and I'm working on one now that does have some solids in it. Um, I do, I love you know, buying bundles, but I tend to break them up and just put them in my stash mm-hmm. because I feel very boxed in by them. Mm. Like, I, I can't stick to them. I always want to add mm. something else for some more, I guess, movement in the quilt. So if you've got your scrap quilt and it's maybe you're in, mm-hmm. it's in progress, you've got a bit of it going already. It's not like just mm-hmm. starting. And you're looking at it and you're thinking it's not, cohesive it's not Mm -hmm. it's not what I want it's not sticking together what 
do you do to fix that or figure out what the problem is? Um, that has definitely happened to me. Um, and <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think really the design wall, and I know it sounds, I don't know, I feel like it sounds silly, but it helps me so much to see it up and I can step back and I, I sort of look at the overall quilt and what is missing in this corner mm-hmm. and why, you know, why isn't it balanced? And I, I try to focus on one color at a time almost mm-hmm. and see, you know, what's, what's missing down there. Um, I don't, you know, it's just kind of my own process. I don't use a tool or anything, but mm-hmm. it just works for me. Mm-hmm. So I so would en- just... encourage people to try that. Yeah, so just sort of figure out like one section and sort of analyze mm-hmm. it and maybe switch some things out or Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, and just to trust yourself too. Um mm. you know, a lot of people um you know, it's it's just a a harder thing for some people than others. I think it comes naturally for other people, but we're sort of always choosing colors throughout the day. I mean, even just, you know, Picking out what you're going to wear and coordinating things, it's just part of our routine. So if we can use that in our quilt process, I think that's helpful. Well, Sherry, this has been so much fun. You know, it always goes really quickly. So we did this Mm -hmm. awesome discussion on scrap quilts, but I know you have a lot of other things out there. Just tell everybody again what your website is so they can uh, find you. Yep, it's RebeccaMayDesigns.com, and, and I have you, a, a couple of things going on now, so I'd love for people to check it out. Yeah, and to join you and sign up for your newsletter and everything else. Mm-hmm. Thank you so well, much, Pat. Thank you. We'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. To avoid mixing up various sized strips once cut, you can write the measurements on the strip selvages. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler. Available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. 
welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and it's always fun to um, meet new people via the show. And uh, my next guest is Audrey Wright, and her pattern company is called Legacy Patterns. I bet that you have a few of her patterns in your collection. And once we talk about that, you're going to go, oh, that's who, that's who this is. So, Audrey, thank you for being here. Hi, Pat. You know, I'm always curious, you know, how long or, you know, you've been in the business a long time. You've done a lot of different things. When did you actually start sewing? Uh, Well, actually, I started sewing at about the age of seven. Um, My mom was um, ill with cancer, and she knew that she wouldn't be around to, to, uh, you know, teach us things later. So my sister and I were actually kind of took crash courses in sewing and knitting and crocheting and embroidery and kind of a lot of little things when we were pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that really instilled a, a love of fabric and fibers in me. Mm-hmm. And, you and know, growing when... up, of course, home ec was always a big a big class for me. So, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, do you have anything of your mother's? Did, were you able to keep anything? Yes, actually, I have, um, a, I don't know if it was knitted or crocheted, a baby bonnet that um, survived. And she made matching dresses. My sister and I were only 13 months apart. So mm. we both have um, several dresses and, um, and two wool coats, actually. Mine, I can't remember who had the red one and who had the green one, but <laughs> they were they were uh, made when we were pretty young. And so we do have yeah. a few pieces that she did, yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's uh, yeah. spe- good, very good special. To, yeah, good to, good to have them. Um, do you have daughters? I do. I have one daughter. Um, she's 34, so she's yeah. all grown up. She's actually getting married, so we're in the, in the middle of wedding planning, which has been entertaining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I have one son and four grandchildren. So there you go. Well, a big a big group. So I wanted mm-hmm. to 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 sort of talk a little bit about the the things that you've done because it's varied, and we can't you know learn it all in 12 minutes, but. Sure. Um, you know, at one point you owned a quilt shop, uh, and and that was a while ago now. So what what do you see is different in the industry, like all this time from when you started? Oh boy, there's a there's been such a huge change. Um, back when we had the store, you couldn't even sell a kit, and mm. today that's pretty much you know a part of the industry. Um, the pre cuts have changed everything drastically. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it took me a while to get on that bandwagon, but it is, it is one that I definitely uh, endorse now after all the time saving that the pre-cuts do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Internet, of course, has changed a lot of things. I do mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that there's, you know, the YouTube videos and, and all the designers are doing their videos, but I still feel like we've lost a lot of stores over the years, and I still feel like the hands-on education is something that we're, we need to bring back. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of twin with the idea of doing that. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, in person, I I travel and teach, so you know, in person classes mm-hmm. are are really um, a different experience because you get to ask right. you know your immediate questions. Um, mm-hmm. What you have one pattern that a lot of people own. Um, <laughs> tell me about it and and why it happened and did it surprise you? It, Surprised me completely, and it still to this day com- completely surprises me. Um, 
it's called the potato bag pattern, and it's the round version. There are a couple other patterns out there, but they're square. Um, I had a sales rep that worked for us when we had our wholesale company, and he called me and said, I have to have a pattern to sell this potato fabric from RJR. And I said, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, market, we were like a week from market, you know, crunch time. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. So I started playing with it, and we went to market with a potato bag pattern, and he drug everybody over there to see it, and one thing led to another, and it just exploded. And we're still shipping potato bag patterns. (laughs) And so the concept is... And over 10 years ago, probably. Yeah, it's crazy. Does... Do they still print the fabric that looks like potatoes? RGR, I believe, still does the potato fabric. Um, we did actually go into, we have four patterns that you use the microwave with. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they still do the potato fabric. I'm not sure about the other ones. We had a corn bag, and we have a bread steamer, and we have a uh, tortilla chip steamer. Which you know, the, we still ship all of them. It just cracks me up because, yes, I mean, when that came out, I mean, there was the big thing. Do you remember this, Audrey? I'm sure you do, about the batting. like whether Yes. yes. And our pattern actually came out before they created the tater batting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where it fell in with that. And apparently now they're, they're, I keep hearing uh, rap and zap Mm -hmm. about the batting. So there is another product out there. So (laughs) I haven't used it. For the people who don't realize it, uh, regular batting has stuff in it that sometimes would not be good to put in the microwave. And so exactly. they had to create a batting that was very clean that can mm-hmm. be used in the microwave. So And also the thread. One, I have a lot of people oh. will contact me about, oh, it burned around the edges. And I said, did you use the poly-wrapped cotton? And they go, oh, oh I think yes. I did. Yes. So we <laughs> have to melting. be really cautious about the 100% <laughs> cotton, yes. Yep. So one of your your many hats that you've worn uh, is as a fabric designer, um, and that's what you're doing now is you're designing mm-hmm. fabrics um, with RJR, and then you you write patterns uh, that sort of show you know, showcase that showcase other things. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. What part of it you love? You know what's current? Well, you know, like I said, we started you know working with RJR when we got the potato bag thing going. So we've had a, a working relationship for quite a while, mm-hmm. and we started, um, I say we, my daughter was my partner for 10 years, and she's not now, but I'm, I still say we all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we started with them doing, um, using other designers' fabrics and doing our patterns, and it kind of evolved into the fabric design because I'm I'm a big collector of vintage fabrics from the 1800s, and um, they were looking uh, for a designer when Thimbleberries was retiring, and so that niche was kind of empty at RJR, and we stepped into it and been working with them ever since. So are you so, taking your vintage collection and um, sort of reproducing it or, or changing it somewhat? How does it work for your fabric? Well, I, I do use, for um, inspiration, I do use a lot of vintage fabrics. I a lot of times we tweak a scale or we tweak definitely tweak colors. Um, sometimes we'll eliminate a motif or add a motif. So there is a lot of um, changes for most of them. It kind of depends on the line. Like the the one that's coming out that I've been working on that's coming out next year, um, we are actually being very authentic with it and 
So it just depends on what my design uh, ideas are that go with the, the quilt design or the block of the month that we're working on that goes with it. So it's kind now, of a, just a work in progress. Are you designing your your patterns to be um, just to use your fabric now, or are you still doing? Because you have lots of styles of patterns. You have like right. pot holders that have owls on them, you know, which are, oh, which sure. are contem- you know, contemporary fabric. So you have a wide variety of of things. What so? What are you normally do. now doing? I still do a little bit of everything. I've kind of mm-hmm. stepped back a little bit from some of the what I call functional patterns. <laughs> which are like the potholders and the casserole carriers. And we have a core group that we did early on that are still great sellers. And so I, I've kind of just held back, but I've been toying with some new new products to add to that part of the business. Um, we still, still focus on a lot of the pre-cuts. I still enjoy working with boutiques very much. Um, so at this point, Yes, I do design specifically for my fabric, but I also am drawn to a lot of the other fabrics out there. I, I feel like the fabric talks to me, and I, right. the quilters can understand that. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Fabric does talk to us. It and, does. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes you just have to design something to show it off or to use it. Yes, definitely. We all know, um, you know, sample cell. That's, that's been true for many, many years. Yeah, but even just as a quilt maker yourself, I mean, you just sometimes, don't you just see something, you're like, I just need to sew something with that. I need to show it off. <laughs> yeah, most of those just end up in my collection just because I'm oh. so busy with the business that I <laughs> I don't really have a lot of time to do fun sewing. I've been, okay. My goal this year is to make a quilt for each of my grandchildren. I've, I've got one down, one half done, and then the other two are on the drawing table, so... And tell you no more grandchildren until you get them all done. So you don't. Want well, to... I think this is probably the end of the line anyway. So I, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to have to worry about that too much. But yeah. So stepping back to the thought about doing in-person teaching, mm-hmm. um, what you know, what would you, if you had a perfect world, you know, perfect, you could just do what you wanted with teaching. What would you do? Uh, as far as subject matter or just... Or just how would you format it? You know, what would you, what do you see is what you would like to see? You know, what do you see is missing? Uh, I think just being the face-to-face contact. Um, I'm on several Facebook pages and I, I see a lot of um, need for, especially if we want to bring new, new people into the industry, we really need uh, to be able to reach out and, you know, demos, uh, workshops. I used to travel coast to coast and do bandit quilt shows and, you know, we demoed all the time and it's mm-hmm. just, people are hungry for it, but they, they need to see it. They need to touch it. We're all tactile with fabric, you know, and we all need to pet it. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's important for new quilters, especially coming into the industry to, to request that and to kind of require that because I think that's where a lot of that need is going to come from. Mm-hmm. We just yeah, did a show in Colorado last weekend and I'm shocked at the beginning cultures that we met. I'm just thrilled. And a lot of them are baby boomers, I have to admit, which we've kind of been following that. You know, they're retiring and they have time. They have the desire. They have the money mm-hmm. to be really honest and they're, they're hungry for it. So, 
I just feel like it's important at this point in the industry for us to really step up and, and provide that. And, and don't get me wrong, videos are great because I, I look yeah. at them myself when I get stuck on new concepts and things. But I still feel that one-on-one or just the personal contact is, is something that we really need to try to focus on. Yeah, it's really nice when people have a place like that locally, whereas, you know, I have a, I have a very large quilt community where most of the people don't have anything local and nothing right. for hours and hours of a drive. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great that we have all of these options for the quilters in the world. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in your part of the world where you are, are there are a lot of sh- uh, physical stores. There used to be. Back when I had my store, there was probably 12 of us in about a 90-mile radius. Hmm. And it's been, you know, 15-plus years. But we also have a very large local guild. Um, I'm outside Wichita, Kansas. And the the local guild at that time had over 900 members. Mm, That's big. It's huge. Yeah, which is great because they can get some, you know, the speakers that they get are very, very high quality. But... On the other hand, a lot of people were missing the personal contact in such a large guild. So we actually started a small one. There were 10 of us. Excuse me. I started a small guild in the town that I live in called Rose Hill. And I am happy to say we just celebrated our 20th anniversary with over 100 members. So Wow. That is pretty, fantastic. pretty fun to watch it grow. Yes, that is fun. From mm-hmm. 10 to 100. And yeah. that's, yeah. That is just so great. So we have maybe 30 seconds, Audrey. Anything okay. you want to share about what's going on or where people well, can Well, I, I, I sent you an email this morning, but um, I actually felt so strongly about opening a shop that um, I went and signed a contract this morning, and another mother, a month or six weeks from now, we're going to have a quilt shop. And what town? Tell everybody again. In, in Augusta, Kansas. Wow. The first public announcement I've made, so I'm sure I'll be having some people call me. (laughs) Yes, and they're going to tell you they need all those classes you just talked about. (laughs) Yes, and we definitely will be having them. Yeah. Oh, Audrey, that is so exciting. I'm I'm thrilled to hear it and so glad to to get to talk to you today. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it, Pat. It's been fun. Yeah. And everybody can visit Legacy um, Patterns uh, and find out more. And it's called makingalegacy.com. Current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Press and seal can be used to hold pieced units in place before sewing together. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. Um, there was an article that I saw out on the net. It came came by, and it was about uh, 
Andrea Sang Jackson's artisan residency (laughs) at the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21. And I was reading this article and I thought, oh my goodness, I really need to contact her because this is such an incredible experience and, and, uh, that she, you know, applied for and was given. And so we are so lucky. Andrea is here with me today. So, Andrea, what, you know, what is your background in sewing? Have you always been somebody who sewed? I haven't. I have always been crafty. I would say I'm interested in the creative arts, um, but I was not a quilter until I was pregnant with my first son, which was when I was 28. And so it came quite late. I had a sewing machine before that, but I, I made some bags. I never mm-hmm. followed a pattern. I always try to figure some things out on my own. Um but really, the sewing happened when the quilt started. Did did you have quilters around you, um, or did you have to go find them? I did not have quilters around me. I did not meet a quilter until I was uh, married, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother-in-law's um, <clears throat> neighbor uh, is, a, is an avid piecer. She doesn't like quilting as, <laughs> as much as piecing. Um, yeah. But uh, when I had my first son I was you know this was it piqued my interest and I was like well you know sewing clothes didn't really appeal to me I was worried about fitting them right and mm-hmm. and things like that um, but the quilting really appealed to me the graphic quality and the possibilities as a designer really um, really became interesting to me well, my mother was a sewist she uh, sewed dresses for my sister and I but she didn't really make clothes for herself or um, she never quilted you that I knew of until recently, actually. She didn't quilt when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things about your work is I love a couple of things, Andrea. You know, they're, it's very thoughtful. And um, just reading your different articles, you have a, a, there's like a lot of meaning. And so for me, when I, when I read that sort of after I found out you'd done this residency thing, I thought, oh, this, you know, it's kind of, when you do, when you create, you create with some purpose. Is that how you've done a lot of things? Yeah, I think that um, as a mother of two young children, you don't have a lot of time. So the time that I did want to put into my sewing, I really wanted it to be meaningful and purposeful. Um, so um, my training in architecture really hounded into me, pounded into me, uh, mm-hmm. these um the importance of having a concept when you're endeavoring into a creative pursuit. And so that kind of translated into my quilting. And so every piece, although I don't think I have a signature style really, um, the meaning is really the central part of uh, what my work uh, is about. So when let's, let's talk about this uh, opportunity you had, because I'm just jealous to tell you, I think, <laughs> Oh my goodness how exciting what did they do I understood they did a call for entries to do this residency did they what were the requirements well there was a there's a temporary exhibit every year um, at the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21 which is um, one of the national museums in Canada that's not inside the national capital region so it's here on the east coast and it's actually the site of where many 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 thousands of immigrants came through on a boat from Europe um, to become Canadians. And mm-hmm. so um, I love museums, always have uh, loved museums and have worked in museums. 
And I, so I followed their, their newsletter and I saw a call for submissions to, in response to a temporary exhibit that was going up about, um, Canada Day One. So what it was like, for, what it was like for various people to come and just arrive in Canada for the first time, leaving whatever they ha- whatever their story was behind and just starting fresh and starting new. So there's a, there's a book called uh, Selena and the Bear Paw Quilt, um, which is by an American author, actually, Barbara Smucker. And it's a children's story book about a little girl who has to leave her Mennonite community during the Civil War because um, they're pacifists. So she actually moves to Canada. She's an immigrant to Canada, but she leaves her grandmother behind. And her grandmother gives her this quilt top that's full of meaning. So it's full of all these um, fabrics from her her family history. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of quilters, quilts do have have that meaning that's just built into to the fabric. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of the starting point of this the seed of of the inspiration for the project that I proposed. Of uh, what do people bring to that with them to Canada? And really, it came down to the stories that they bring. Mm-hmm. Did how many? How much time were you at the museum? Was it like certain days? Was it a week? So I was there for, from the end of May to about now, actually. I just finished the quilt top um, for 16 hours, so two full days each week. So mm-hmm. I met a variety of people. Um, in May and June, it was a lot of uh, university students that were traveling. In the summer, it was a lot of families that were traveling. And right now, it's actually cruise ship season here in Halifax. So we get a lot of foreign tourists. Uh, mm-hmm. coming through um, but generally actually it's a quite uh, a diverse audience and not a local audience a lot of Canadians um, with immigration stories come back to Pier 21 with, um, after a number of years we see alum we, we see alumni come back who have mm-hmm. as children come through Pier 21 and they come back to as kind of a pilgrimage to what and they kind of they remember what that moment was like when they were four or five coming off a boat and just arriving in Canada for the first time that's a very long time period uh you've you've been able to be there uh how did you prepare to do that i mean is it near your home it is quite near my house um so so far the residency uh accommodates local artists uh it's mm-hmm. actually only in its second year um and Halifax is small so things are quite close together um, oh, okay. it's only about 10 minutes of a drive from from my my house um yeah so um, it's, uh, you know, I did get to spend a lot of time at the museum and see so a lot of visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I have almost 1,200 blocks. That's 1,200 conversations that I've had with visitors about their own immigration story, whether mm-hmm. um, it was their grandparents or themselves or their ancestors from hundreds of years ago who came from France, for example, um, mm-hmm. to settle in Canada. Um had a lot of a lot of conversations with different people, uh, and it's all represented in this quilt. So there's, you know, I want to try to get. A, I know that you've written some articles about your experience, and I'm I'm going to link to the most recent one on my site. But I want to get a couple of points in. Uh, you you went in with a plan. Did it change as you went along uh, of the the quilt that you're doing? Yeah, I actually, that was part of the beauty of the process, I think, was that I started with this idea that everybody would make a beer paw quilt, like in the, the, the books, you know, and the beer paw quilts. Uh-huh. Um, but it ended up getting too big too fast. So I had to really narrow it down to this two and a half by two and a half inch square that each person would simply choose a color. It was a solid color. 
uh, with a white triangle or vice versa, a white background with a colored, solid colored triangle. And that color, they would ascribe meaning to that color to represent a bit of their story. So, for mm. example, a woman, um, a young woman picked blue. Her grandmother was four when she came through Pier 21 from England. And um, she thought, you know, what, a, what would a four-year-old little girl love as a color? So she picked mm-hmm. this really pretty blue to represent her story. Some other people pick national colors. Um, some people pick uh, favorite colors of family members that came. Um, mm-hmm. People pick a lot of greens and oranges to represent hope and futures, mm-hmm. new future. And so these kind of common threads came up a lot as we went along. And so through listening to the stories and really interpreting what they were telling me, um, this this bear paw quilt became something completely different. It became um, these uh, trees. So each triangle mm-hmm. became a leaf on a tree, and each tree represented a common theme that tied, you know, h- hundreds of stories together. When when you were hearing the stories, I just I just think it's extraordinary because I'm sure some people didn't say much, but others must have probably been there a while. Yes. I did get to spend some time really delving deep into some people's stories, and it's actually quite emotional for a lot of people. The mm-hmm. way I'm situated in the the, the project is it's situated in the uh, Canadian Immigration Hall, which is um, an exhibit, um, is at the end. So people have visitors mm-hmm. have kind of processed all of these different Canadian stories of people mm-hmm. arriving in Canada, and then when they get to me, they're ready mm-hmm. to tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Um, so they. I think a lot of people don't really think about their origins from day, day in and day out. So when they have this mm-hmm. moment to pause um, and get asked about it, uh, they really do think about it. Like, why am mm-hmm. I here? Why mm-hmm. am? Why did I? Why is my life the way it is? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really precious to see to see people kind of reflect and really be able to connect with their own story through just making this very very simple um, block. And you were sewing the block, so they were just picking the fabrics. Yeah, and actually, you know, I, I talked to another quilter, um, Libs Elliott, and she had done a collaborative quilt before with the general public, um, and we and she had used uh, interfacing. So it was just um, a fusible web that was on a back, uh, so the tri- mm-hmm. shapes were pre-cut for them, and they got to, we got to iron them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I sewed, and they assembled the, all the blocks together. So they didn't have to do any sewing. They're not there to learn to sew. They're there to right. experience the Canadian yeah. immigration stories, right? So, right. Um, so I really wanted to make it simple for them, um, yeah. so that they would be willing to participate and also not have to get over the hurdle of learning to sew if they didn't know. Right, right. And did you? Are they? Re- were the stories recorded, or did you tape anything? Or this is just all just something you experienced as an artist and are putting into then the work of the quilt. I have cataloged each block. Um, mm-hmm. Each one is numbered, and I, I wouldn't say that I was rigorous. I took a few notes. Um, you know, some of the deeper stories I would take more notes, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a few words um, about what the person uh, was trying to get out when they were talking to me. Um, then, you, so I did. I did have them all numbered, and um, some of them get shuffled around a bit, but the general idea is there. And you know, the documentation um, was not the the crux of the project for me. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that I was very um, meticulous about it. But mm-hmm. there is a record of each person's story. And um, and then once they, they put it on the design wall in the place that they thought it belonged, uh, mm-hmm. in the theme, the themed tree that they thought it belonged, whether it be about nature or freedom or about new opportunities or about their family or about love stories, 
that's the way it got recorded was a little note in my note in my notebook and then where they placed it onto the onto the larger quilt uh it is just just such a cool cool project um will the quilt be displayed when you finish it yeah, so there's an event at our, um, in Halifax. It's an arts, a nighttime arts event, kind of a nuit blanche. I don't know if we have, there's that across the states, but, uh, it's, uh, arts festival that runs from 6 p.m. to midnight. And so it'll be displayed, um, kind of revealed on October 14th at the museum and it will be there for a few weeks. And then I will have to find a permanent home for it after that. But I'm looking forward to actually that process of, of finding a home for it because um, that means I get to make new connections with different institutions and uh, see where that takes me. Well, Andrea, this has been wonderful. I appreciate hearing this deeper part of the story. Uh, give everybody your website name so they can visit you. Yeah, uh, my website is uh, thirdstoryworkshop.com, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, Instagram is thirdstoryworkshop, as is Facebook, and then Twitter is thirdstory underscore. Oh, thank you so much. I really, you. really, you did an extraordinary job. Thanks for chatting, Pat. Thanks. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan. Uh, visit allpeoplequilt.com, and you can visit me at patsloan.com, and we'll see you next week. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.